What's up, Energy fam? Welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG, the place where energy, economics, and innovation converge. I'm your host, Justin Gauthier, coming to you live from the vibrant city of Houston, Texas. As someone who spent years immersed in the oil field service sector and focusing on energy economics and drilling operations, each week we dive into the heart of the energy sector, exploring its trends, challenges, and the future of energy in our lives. But today, I'm reaching out to you, my valued listeners, with a special opportunity. Wicked Energy is looking for partners who share our passion for energy, innovation, and impact. We're on the hunt for sponsors who want to connect with a dedicated audience of energy enthusiasts, professionals, and those keen on understanding the complex world of energy economics. By sponsoring, you'll not only support our mission to be the voice of energy, but also gain access to a platform where your brand can shine. Whether you are in the energy sector, finance, technology, or any field that resonates with the energy and innovation space, we believe your message deserves to be heard. If you're interested in exploring this opportunity and aligning your brand with a podcast that's all about making an impact, I'd love to start the conversation. Reach out to me at the link below or hit me up on LinkedIn. Together, we can fuel conversations that matter and leave a legacy that resonates for our listeners and beyond. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's jump into the show. All right. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. I'm here with Miss Bella Kalita Khalil. Is that right? Kalata Kalata Khalil. She's a junior develop, uh, business development leader at Midnight Marketing. I stumbled on it. I know how sensitive the last uh, name is to most people, including myself. Most people murder it. Um, but hey, I wanted to respect you. So again, welcome to the show. How is everything in your world today? Everything is great. It's a little rainy, but other than that, everything is tip top. I love it. That's one thing since the little bit of time that I've spent with you, um, mainly just over Zoom, uh, you're always so positive and like you're so like bubbly in a good way and you just give off such a great energy. And so I'm curious, like right out of the gate, like where and how, like where does that come from? Is that, is this how you are all the time or is this your like persona? And then when you're alone, you're just like not the same person. Like, is this, (laughs) yeah, like, is this you all the time? I'd like to say yes. I mean, I was a theater kid. So naturally I have a lot of bubbly energy in me. Okay. Um, I think that's really it. I think it's a theater yeah. kid. Good. No, it's it's amazing. You know, and a lot of that I think is you got to credit your parents too to some degree. So uh oh, whatever they did to to pump you full of good energy, uh they did well. <laughs> so um and yeah, Thanks you're yeah, right. Big shout out to mommy and daddy if they're listening. Um, I always say I'm the only person that listens to this is my mom, and I actually don't even think she listens to it. So <laughs> we'll see if she is. Thanks, mom. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you. So you're you've been in Houston for a few days now, um, and we'll get into like where you're where you're from and and the whole bit. But I'm I'm tell I'm I'm curious what's what's the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, since you've been here in Houston. Honestly, I don't think I've seen any bad and or ugly yet. Um, I've only been here four days and it's my first time in Houston. I'm I'm loving it. I've already been asked at the very least four times when I'm moving here, undecided. Um, but listen, I mean, I'm I'm open in the name of growth. I'll do it. I don't mind. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And especially in the, in oil and gas or just in energy, obviously, with it being a global industry it either it'll either force you to move and experience different parts of the world or the opportunities will present present themselves and if you're open-minded enough and um you, you're not necessarily obligated financially or something to stay where you're at or kids or whatever then yeah you can move around um some of the places aren't the best i've lived in some interesting oil field places and i've traveled to a lot of them but i mean houston dallas um you know tulsa oklahoma city like these there's some pretty cool cities Denver, of course, Calgary, 
Um, anyways, and and so speaking of of Canada, uh, you flew in from Montreal, is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like where yeah, is that where you're from? And if so, what was it like growing up there? I'm a BC boy, so I was used to like mountains, you know, skiing, snowboarding, wakeboarding all the good stuff the mountains has to offer and all the freshwater lakes. But like for you, how was it, what was it like growing up in Montreal? Yeah. I mean, I was born and raised in Montreal and it was, it's exciting because it's just constantly snowing. I'd say it's literally 70% snow, 30% decent weather. And we love being outside at all times of the day. Um, even yeah. someone told me they were like, Oh, it's cold in Houston. It's, it's 10 degrees. I'm like, this is spring weather. This is good weather for me right now. Yeah. Um, and obviously you're, you know, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of French people. And my mom is English. She's from England. So I get the proper English, no French whatsoever. So learning French in Montreal, if you don't know French is super hard because uh, yeah. people, they will judge you. They will look at you differently. Um, but no, other than that, like it's, it's a, it's a great place for me to be as well. It's very culturally diverse and nice. I, yeah it's it's just it's a great place to live yeah I so I have um when I was in Calgary I had some friends that would travel to Montreal to go party all the time and yeah. I've heard so many good things obviously uh Tim and Maciel um I don't know if they're originally from there but I know that they spent a large portion of their lives there uh and so yeah it's, I've heard nothing but good things my wife and I have talked about heading up there we haven't yet but um Not speaking yet? Of, I know we haven't it's just one of those places that's like on our list of places to go and then we don't travel that much just now we've got young kids. And so it's, it's a little bit tougher. Um, mm -hmm. But like when we do travel, it's like, let's go to Cancun where the kids can like play in the water. You know what I mean? So, but, but Montreal has definitely been on the list. So uh, hopefully here within the next few years. Um, but speaking of, of midnight marketing, I mentioned at the beginning, you're working there. Um, and I want to give a big shout out to the man behind midnight marketing. And no, I'm not talking about Tim Taylor. I'm actually talking about Shmi's the alien because he or she, or however we want to identify nowadays, I don't know, but he, to me, looks like a man, little, little alien man. Um, tell us about Shmi's. How has he come on the scene? And, and sorry, if it's a, not a he, how do you identify Shmi's with? Or... Honestly, I think Shmi's is just everything. Shmi's is whoever you want him to be. And I think that's also exactly who, like what our company is kind of about. It's like, we are, we are you, whatever you're feeling, that's how we are as well. So she came about in uh, in an events meeting. It was me and a few project managers, a few people who do the internal marketing for Midnight. And we wanted to have this extra person on board with us for one of the social octane golf games. Yeah. Before, I think this was before Oklahoma. So let's say around like July, August, we start talking about this. And we're like, okay, let's have an alien because Midnight Marketing is very space space and astronaut themed and we're like okay but what if we had someone that you know took a wrong turn and ended up on earth and then <laughs> here we go just have a mascot yeah uh, so Shmeez came about bless him um but the name Shmeez was completely out there there are a few people who wanted to name him uh Mariah Scary we had uh we had Donovan as a name at one point like really random names yeah and so one day we just were like, you know what, what about Shmeez? And everyone found it absolutely hysterical. And ever since then, he has a love and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking off camera because I can see him right there in front of me. <laughs> nice. um, he, he's staring me down as I'm doing this. He's like, don't say anything bad about don't me. Don't screw this up, Bella. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. And 
Yeah, he was just conceptualized in a mini meeting room and he's been the best thing ever since. We brought yeah. him along to Oklahoma with us, uh, Rachel, uh, one of the project managers and I, um, and he was he was just a hoot, man. He was a hoot. People loved him. We were getting we were getting yelled at from across the golf course. Stop the cart! Stop the cart! We need a picture. Yeah, okay. sounds good. And bless him, he did he did a great job. Yeah, it's you know when we kind of had a little chat before the podcast, I was talking about it, and I, and I thought it was so fascinating because I think mascots are totally underrated for like you get them for teams, right? And you can build a brand depending on. I guess what you do with a mascot and how much you sort of weave them into the games or the program or whatever. But I think every company should have a mascot because you can like, because branding and marketing is is so critical for what we do and the message that we're portraying to, to the market. It's like, if you have a mascot that like, to your point, people see Shmi's ripping around the golf course and automatically want pictures. Well, then those pictures get put on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, or maybe a little TikTok short reel, whatever. And then next thing you know, they're tagged midnight marketing. Well, the cost to buy Schmies, whatever, at like, I don't know, just hypothetically call it a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. It pays for itself over and over again. Because if someone sees Schmies, takes a picture and then midnight marketing gets put in their feed, next thing you know, they're like, wait, I need a marketing company. These people are badass. Absolutely. It's like you could buy a thousand Schmies and then have them ripping around the US. And again, they would probably pay for themselves. So I think it's smart. I think I, I love the out of the box thinking and I remember when Tim and I were talking years ago before he started Midnight Marketing, um, there was such a need for like disruptive marketing in oil and gas um, and what they've done. And, and obviously you're now part of it. Uh, I, I love it. And, and you guys are all over LinkedIn and just doing some really cool stuff. So I commend you and the rest of the team uh, for just thinking outside the box, taking a little risk, being a little bit edgy. And and uh, again, I think that's what we need. Um, and so, and again, I think a lot of it comes back to what's your target audience, right? And I would say for, for midnight marketing, you guys are doing a phenomenal job of, of creating awareness and, and creating marketing to attract or to at least uh, capture the attention of a younger generation, which is what we need. And so from that perspective, I'm curious, Bella, talk about a little bit about your your journey. And I know you're fairly new to oil and gas, but mm-hmm. talk about like maybe perhaps some jobs that you had in high school or afterwards and then like what led you into going into such a controversial industry from coming from Montreal? Like that to me is extremely fascinating. Absolutely. I mean, I started, um, I originally started in my mom's daycare, but that was completely unrelated. I just really enjoyed talking, whether it was very small children who don't understand what I'm talking about or just people yeah. in general. And my mom was like, you know, what? why don't you just go out and get a job in retail, just customer service, you're talking to people all day long, do it. So I did, I spent a good, I'd say like six, six, seven years almost in retail. Um, I worked uh, in men's department, I worked in the stock, I worked as a cash girl, I did practically everything, worked my way up to manager. And then from there, I just felt very unfulfilled, because I felt I need to do more with myself. And not that you can't go higher than retail. I've seen people that have been in retail for well over 20 years and they have amazing positions and amazing jobs. But yeah. I, I personally felt I need to do more with that because I I didn't do very well in school and I didn't get, um, I, I ended up graduating in cinema. What am I going to do with cinema and communications that will make me feel proud about myself? Mm. Um, and so I had met a friend at the time who said, listen, 
come on over to my um come on over to my team uh we have we have a team of like these door-to-door -door people who do door-to-door -door for telecommunications so like selling tv internet home phone and we need an admin i'm like you know what i like talking to people i like doing interviews may as well and it was a very small job um yeah. i ended up doing really well there that same person was like you know what i'm gonna open up my own company now i want you as my cao i was like oh <laughs> really okay nothing i've ever i've never studied in it before it's just pure knowledge and knowing the right person at the right time so we packed up all of our stuff in montreal moved to little cornwall ontario we were there for seven eight months and we just completely annihilated the territory there we were i was also doing door to door uh for kojiko at the time and again it was putting yourself out there knocking on someone's door at a very very weird time it's they're all sitting down for supper like hi what's the current uh, provider that you have for your tv and home phone right now and they're like uh and you would actually make sales out of that so I also got to learn how to properly talk to people. Mm -hmm. And then when that turf was done, we moved back to Montreal and I'm like, I need a bit more sustenance. I need to, I need to be able to go out a bit further. And so I saw this job opening um, at midnight marketing for office coordinator. I'm like, what? why not? I like the idea of it. It seems like they have, they have a great website, first of all. Yeah. Um, they seem like the culture is actually pretty cool. I checked out their LinkedIn. They only had a few pictures. Uh, they're all like Halloween pictures and everything. I'm like, they seem like a pretty cool team. I think I really yeah. want to be a part of this. So where, yeah. real quick, sorry, where, and where did you find the job opening? Where did they post it or how'd you find it? I found it on Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Super, yeah. Super simple. Like it wasn't anywhere else other than Indeed. And it was, it was just a great, it was, it was a great website, first of all. And so I was just reading through in on it. And I think my mind completely skipped over, we work in oil and gas, because if you don't know about oil and gas, you think, oh, it's big, bad, scary oil and gas, which a lot of people to this day still think of if you're not in the industry, or if you don't have an inkling of what the industry is about. And so I decided to give it a shot. And then they're like, I do the interviews and they say, do you have any experience in oil and gas? I'm like, nope, but I'll learn <laughs> if I need to. Yeah. Like, okay, come on. And so I started uh, realistically February 1st of this year as an office coordinator. Okay. Very so you, what I am now. You've almost made a year, which I'm sure it's been like drinking through a fire hose. So again, being a year in and being, I mean, you've, most people who are in oil and gas for a year get to see like nothing but the field maybe a little bit of like what it's all about but you've been able to travel go to different events probably meet a lot of great people from all walks of oil and gas um so i'm curious just based off your short time being in oil and gas what are some personal motivations and interests within oil and gas that you've kind of developed since joining i i'm very very intrigued on the way that the people within oil and gas communicate with one another. I think that's a huge thing. I spend a lot of my day on LinkedIn, which it, it sounds fun to be on social media all day because it is. Um, but that's how I learn about oil and gas. It's through these people. Yeah. It's connecting and networking with these people that then will give me the like the time of day to teach me. Especially I my whole thing is being humble about my background and saying I have no background in oil and gas. I have no background in marketing. Teach me. I want to know what you know from your point of view. Yeah. Uh, 
And so I'm very intrigued by the way that they communicate with one another. Because again, going back to big, bad, and scary oil and gas, the people aren't bit bad and scary at all. There are they are so lovely and they are so generous. And they, again, will take the time from their day to be like, okay, you want to learn about upstream, downstream, midstream? Let's go. I'll teach you in literally 30 seconds. Yeah. And I love it. It's literally oil and gas is like, a, it was like Canadians, basically. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that, that's again, it's music to my ears. Because um, again, most of the headlines you read is it's death and destruction. Um, but to hear your experience is it's humbling and it's like okay we are doing something well um and so that i love the fact that you've had a positive experience so far um so what would you say again with the short time that you've been in so i'm not expecting like some crazy scientific answer but what's your view on the current state of the oil and gas industry like just off the top of your head you could even just be like well it looks good or like what what would you how would you describe that or even just in a couple words what's the current state of the oil and gas industry from your perspective to be quite honest i i don't want to say i know a whole bunch and that i and that i do have my own solidified stance i personally feel that i'm still learning in my short time i came in thinking Oil and gas. I'll give it a shot, but I I know what's been said about it. I know what's going on in the world for, yeah. for the most part. But also at the same time, personally, oil and gas is a lot more knowledgeable than I expected it to be. Um, especially since there are so many everyday products that we use that require petroleum. Um, I was listening to a podcast where someone was talking about you know getting into a Tesla, and they're like, okay, but you know how your Tesla is charged, right? They're like, yeah, electricity is like do you know that oil and gas also goes into electricity? And they're like, no, no, it doesn't. No, it's not. So I, I don't think I have a direct stance on it. Mm -hmm. And that is why for the next, like even going into next year, I want to just be able to learn from all sides to be able to understand it. Yeah. Because there's so much more to it that I'm still learning to this day. Yeah. No, again, that's, that's a great answer. And it's, I think that's one thing that if you have a, like if, if you remain radically open-minded and have a high degree of curiosity, uh, the world will be your oyster and you'll be able to learn so much and meet so many amazing people and hopefully make a positive impact, which I would say already you have. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I, I would imagine you have a pretty large social circle back home. What is, like, are people asking you questions? Are there people that have been like, Bella, I can't believe you're supporting this industry. Like, do you have any sort of examples of people that have come to you since joining Oil and Gas in, in around your age to like whether it was positive negative. or negative? Or honestly, not really. I'd like to say that again. A lot of my circle back home now is everyone that I work with almost because we spend every single day together almost, and even on yeah. weekends we're messaging each other like. Hey, did you see this article? Hey, this is a TikTok I think we should do. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very, I'm very blessed to have a circle that understands what I do. And even the people who I don't work with, they haven't necessarily questioned it yet. I don't know, maybe because they don't want to, they don't want to ask questions, or maybe they don't want to get into that, into that kind of conversation. Sure. Um, but but for the people who are with me like every day like even my mom and my dad at the end of the day they just want to know that I'm happy and they're very open to learning as well uh which is which is great not a lot of parents are willing to be like okay well oil and gas is bad don't do it 
it's like, okay, explain to me what are the pros and the cons. Explain to me why I should know more about this industry because I want to yeah. know. And yeah. it, it's, it's, they're using me to their advantage in a good sense where I, I'm young. I'm part of a, a slightly newer generation that is learning about this industry. And if we're going to learn about the future, I, I, we, as someone from, I say we, someone from my generation needs to be the one who says, listen, this is what you need to know. This is what's bad. This is what's good. This is what I'm learning. Yeah. What you're going to listen to at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, from, from a marketing standpoint, I, I'm curious. And because you, it, it was interesting for you to talk a little bit about your background in like theater and, and I think you said you, for your degree, it was like communications, right? Or something. Yeah. yeah. So um, how would you say, like, for, for a controversial industry, do you have any ideas or thoughts around like how we as an industry should communicate differently to an audience? Like, have you recognized since, like, have, has there been anything you're like, wow, like, I can't believe someone or this company would 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 communicate in this way why not try it in a different way? Like, do you have any thoughts around how we as an industry can communicate better to an audience that doesn't really like us? I would definitely say, um, everyone knows the saying, if you can't beat them, join them. And I think that is really pertinent in the digital aspect um, when it comes to using social media and leveraging it to your advantage. Um, there's, there's so many platforms coming up now. You have LinkedIn, you have x instead of twitter you have facebook you have tiktok communication is a huge one and just the fact that we're communicating at all is great um mm -hmm. but i've always been the kind of person that says people want people so if you're ever going to communicate your services and your products regardless of the industry i think that you need to showcase your people more because mm -hmm. that's exactly why that's one of the reasons why i joined midnight was because I saw the pictures of their people. I saw what they're doing. I saw the behind the scenes. And it makes you think, okay, these are actual people and not just robots trying to sell something. These mm. are people who have a mission, who want to get to people. They want to make a difference. And yeah. it's, it's really as simple as that. So it's joining in on the social media platforms. And if you don't know how to use it in the way that I don't know very much about oil and gas, reach out to someone who does yeah. to be able to help you out with that. So definitely seeing people leveraging their social platforms, their faces. Yeah. Way. Absolutely. And I, I would say over the last few years, you're starting to see, which traditionally the way we've marketed has been very archaic. And then even getting on social media, I, I got on LinkedIn like in 2000, I don't know, I signed up probably in the early or some 2000s, but then I started really posting consistently in like 2016, 17-ish. Mm -hmm. and uh and it was totally off the like it was totally random I started recording myself saying Merry Christmas in like this super Canadian voice mm -hmm. and like it, it kind of took off and at the time I was getting like the organic reach you could get back in 2017 was insane like mm -hmm. I was getting like 20 and 30 thousand views uh on like short dumb clips right which now is almost impossible if you, unless you've got a large following but I started seeing you know, back then it was like, I started doing it. And then I was always, I was encouraging people. It's like, you got to get on LinkedIn and just start posting stuff. Like you'll be amazed with the reach and the people that I'll reach out mm -hmm. and you'll be out and about and people like, Oh, I saw your video or Hey, I like that post. And, and then companies really started adopting the digital presence. And 
and and it mainly started with service companies trying to get their name out there because a lot of people were just not taking meetings as much. It was getting it's continuously getting super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but companies realized the power of branding and the power of social media and all the underpriced yep. attention that you could get. And at the time, conferences were slowly dying out. And by that, I mean, like just the, the attendance at different conferences that were historically big drivers of people to come together were slowly and slowly fading away. And it's like, well, how do we get our, how do we get in front of people's eyeballs? Well, again, social media is is the way to go. Oh, and guess what? It's free besides the time it takes to actually post stuff and do things. Um, but now people are starting to spend a lot of money and resources to create a good brand strategy and a good presence online, which is a, is amazing. And now even the, some of the larger companies like the Exxon's, the Shell's, the Chevron's, they're starting, I say starting, they're they're making efforts now towards having a social media presence. And I think Shell actually, it was, once it was about a year ago, they made a post, uh, it was interesting, they'd put a, a job posting on LinkedIn, along with some other platforms, they wanted a, a TikTok manager or something like that. And they released an article saying they wanted to be sort of the, the leading TikTok creator in like the energy space like they wanted to be the ones that like had the best tiktok platform or Mm -hmm. tiktok presence and so i was like wow okay so they're clearly targeting a much younger audience to try and you know capture their attention and hopefully influence them and educate them um so again i I think i think i still think we're in the early stages of 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 a lot of opportunity uh and, and midnight marketing seems to be at the front line um i'm curious from to hear your thoughts around like are there any and and if there aren't any that you've kind of developed yet that's totally fine but would you what would you say midnight's approach on marketing is relative to like traditional marketing strategies like do you guys kind of differentiate yourselves and say we don't want to fall back in this bucket that the things that we've that historically have been done all the time like we're trying to have this approach like is there any sort of differentiator that you that you guys have that you've experienced i mean the the biggest thing here i think is that we do have a few people on our team that are well versed in oil and gas i mean we've had our our company's been around for three years now Mm -hmm. um and so we have people who have been here since day one they've learned the tone they've learned the brand they 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 know oil and gas inside and out for for lack of better words and in the terms of how we do things differently I think it's just we always strive to try to understand our client from their tone of voice so wherever their our client is is where we are but we want to be a little bit higher and that's Mm. where that's where people that well let's say that's where competitors come in competition all that kind of thing and competition is incredibly healthy because if you don't have that you're just going to constantly think okay I'm always here Whereas if you have competition, you're here and they're here, you're gonna be like, okay, how am I filling that gap? What am I doing? Yeah. And that gap can is that gap is just listening to your client. It, yeah. It's really as simple as that and being in their shoes and learning how to be that chameleon. Yeah. No, I think listen listening is is so important. And it's and I, I've made posts about like the 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 purpose of in of listening with intent and whether that's leaders within a company listening to their people to create good culture and make sure that 
people within the company have a voice to be able to make change or to contribute and add value. But even like oil field service companies who have clients, you don't just go in there and, and start listing off all the amazing things that you can do, but instead go in there with some good questions with an open mind and understand like, what is the true problem? And if you ask enough questions and you listen for long enough, they'll ultimately tell you what they want. And then you can just exactly. provide that solution instead of, you know, and a lot of times you can say, well, I, I've identified a problem that we can help solve. But for the most part, it's just active listening and listening with intent, which it sounds like Midnight does a good job of like listening to their clients understanding what their goals are and really creating a good partnership rather than just a transactional marketing, you know, uh, firm that's going to say, okay, here's your deliverables, take it or leave it. And it's just some template, right? Like, I think it has to be very consultative, which I would imagine it is for, for you guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we go off of a very transparent base. I mean, even on our, even on our website, we put all of our packages there. We put all of our prices there because we want to be transparent from the get-go. So if we're establishing that transparency with our client, even before they sign on, they know what to expect from us as well. So that goes beyond me doing the discovery call and the onboarding. That goes beyond the kickoff call. It's all. It, it goes right up until the point where you're sitting down to have your very first um, weekly analytics meeting to kind of go over, okay, this is what we've done. This is what we have from you. This is what I think we can do, but this is in your court. Where do you yeah. want us to go from here? So it's, again, very, we do we do consulting and we try to push them in the right way, but ultimately it's, we want to be transparent. So if you want something from us, you tell us and we'll just make it happen. Or yeah. we'll, at least we'll try our best to make it happen. Yeah, no, that's, I love that approach. Pivoting a little bit away from the midnight marketing side of things. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, can you tell us a little bit about sort of your insight on how the younger generation could contribute to the evolution of our industry? Absolutely. I think it it goes back to leveraging social media because that's where a lot of Gen Z and Gen Alpha are right now. It's all over. They're on TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're on YouTube, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's often, from what I've heard from people in the industry is, how are we making how are we making oil and gas seem approachable and attractive for a lack of better words to that new generation and it's really just by understanding that consumer it's where are they where where's their mind sticking their mind is sticking to social media so yeah. it, it taking what i said earlier it's just people want people so getting your face out there showing them the the benefits of working for your company giving them like even a like a health and safety demonstration, like what your PPE looks like, simple little things like that that catch their attention yeah. will be easier than having them sit down and telling them, listen, this is why you should be in oil and gas. Like mm. They're not going to want to sit down in class anymore and be like, oh, okay, maybe I should get into this. It's no, yeah. they want to physically see things now. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. And actually, I, I for the Wicked Energy, I have a YouTube page that I post on for the videos. And then I also have done shorts, YouTube shorts. And cause I realized, okay, TikTok, like that short clip style of video is really working. And so I started creating shorts and like, I'll say like some silly stuff a lot of times. Um, and really just trying to like educate or like update and it, like the little team that helps me, um, with content, they're like, your, your impressions on your shorts are like 
they blow everything else out of the water and it's literally like a 15 second clip of you just talking it's like which which ties exactly into what you're saying is like people want to hear from people they want to see you know their their face they want to see kind of their character um and then yeah it just makes them a little bit more relatable it's not like you're just this person behind a computer who's just stuffing their pockets and drilling holes in the ground to make as much money as humanly possible while not caring about the environment it's like it's actually quite the opposite um and so and at the end of the day is like if (laughs) i always laugh and and i always try to at least have a approach it with some empathy it's like when oil and gas is doing well and companies like exxon and all these other large publicly traded companies are making millions and millions of dollars people are so quick to judge and get upset and say you know they're making so much money this is just it's filth and it's greed but yet like if you look at the earnings from like a lot of these tech companies um they also make a tremendous amount of money, but no one is getting upset about like perhaps it would be child labor or mm-hmm. the amount of energy that they're using and the emissions associated with manufacturing millions and millions of phones or earbuds or, you know, the amount of power it takes to power a lot of this AI stuff. Like I know there's been some controversy in terms of like, or, or even just discussion about the emissions associated with running like say a chat gpt search relative to a google search but i say all that to say is it's 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 just it's very odd to me uh that people will pick one industry to get mad at when they're making money Mm -hmm. um but not another one um so again it's not directly related then there's something that you can think about like like you're just saying about tech if it's not directly related to oil and gas even though perhaps they do use it they're not the they're not the bad person you know what i mean yeah. And, and again, I think it comes down to education, right? And and I don't, when, when I hear things or when people say things, I don't necessarily get mad, but I'm like, I try to understand. I'm like, okay, what's, the, where, where, like, if I was to put myself in their shoes, like, they've probably never talked to someone in oil and gas. So they may not understand how oil and gas companies make money or how tech companies actually make money. And then, so I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can do a better job of trying to educate. And which is, again, why I have this platform. But, um anyway I don't know exactly where I was going with that but the (laughs) that's okay I was gonna say that has incited a lot more intrigue for me as well because I would I personally would love to know how how tech and oil and gas relate like not using tech for oil and gas but how they coincide that's not something that I wouldn't think to go that deep in and think oh okay so if you're using anyways I'm probably going to go off on a tangent on this but I would love to know how that correlates yeah no it um and and i think it does uh i mean again it all starts with energy right without energy or power electricity like none of this would be possible we wouldn't be talking i wouldn't be in this building i would be in a hut somewheres um and again with with regards to like electricity you know texas is a beautiful place geographically because we literally like if you were to go on ERCOT's website Um, And I encourage everyone to look at that. It shows you the energy mix. And by that, I mean, how much out of the total amount of energy being produced, what percent of it comes from wind energy, solar, natural gas, nuclear, and it's a very healthy mix. But we're, we're extremely fortunate to be in Texas because we have the, the, the geographic, or I guess the resources available to us to be able to produce 
from several different natural resources. Not all places are like that. Um, but again, like these are things where I think people need to understand is like right now it takes all of it. And so having the conversation, educating people, a lot of this is very easy. If you can read a few numbers, you can understand that the electricity that is being produced here right now, it could very well come from wind or solar in as much as it could come from natural gas. But guess what? You know, these things, it ebbs and flows. So when it's not windy and it's not sunny, well, thankfully we have natural gas. And during the day when the wind's blowing and the sun's shining, well, then maybe we can turn down the natural gas and increase the the power output and in, in consumption from the other ones. And so, uh, again, I think a healthy mix is essential, which Texas has a good job of. Um, I was talking to, and I encourage you, I think you'll get a kick out of this. So there's a company out of New York. There's, I forget what they are. I forget what the studio is called, but they've created a mini, like a series on TikTok, YouTube, all this stuff. It's called Cobell Energy. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Okay. So I'm interviewing them tomorrow because uh, I reached out to them. Yeah. So I saw their videos and for the listeners out there, just Google Cobell Energy or go on Instagram, look at Cobell Energy. And it's basically like the office, but it's poking fun it's a mockumentary of oil and gas which i i actually like was it was i was dying laughing watching these videos and i was like i gotta have these guys on my podcast i think it'd be hilarious and so when i googled it there was a gq article that was interviewing the creator of it and the oh. whole in, yeah the whole intent and i knew i was like okay obviously the people behind this are poking fun at the bear but like, what's the purpose here? And it, it was actually their intent is to create awareness and grab the attention of the younger generation to further sort of demonize oil and gas. And I was like, oh, so, okay, this is an interesting marketing strategy. No one's done this before because all the stuff that is is look, is is being created and delivered is like different articles, different publications that are very much high level that most kids probably aren't, like most kids probably aren't looking on the IEA's website at like their global energy outlook. Like they're on TikTok trying to find funny videos. Well, these guys are like, well, what if we get on demonize oil and gas and hopefully grab people's attention to then further, hopefully influence these young, this younger generation to be more supportive of renewables versus oil and gas. And so I was like, okay, well, why not invite them on and, and we can talk about it. And I had a conversation with them yesterday and for the listeners, this will that episode will be released after this one. So next week, you'll get to hear from the Cobell Energy creators. And um, again, they're they're from New York. I think one's from LA. And we had a very good conversation about like why is energy so important. And even they were like, I, I told them, I was like, you're probably upset when an oil and gas person asked you on an oil and gas podcast. I was like, you're probably hoping for a climate activist group to have you it's on their podcast. Guess what they're going for? Yeah, and they were like. When you emailed us, we were blown away because we thought everyone in oil and gas would just hate us. And I was like, dude, I bet you you're going to have more oil and gas followers than you are anything else because we love making fun of ourselves. Like, we know we're not perfect, but we also have enough humility to like to get a good laugh and hey, let's spark some conversation. And so they were like, yeah, this is actually totally like a 180 from what we thought was going to happen, but we're totally happy to have the conversation. And we talked a little bit about oil and gas and energy and Again, these are these are guys in their mid to late twenties that are like 
since starting this, we've realized like how important energy is. And it is the most important thing in the world right now. And we're, I was like, awesome. Let's talk more about it. Cause that's what we want. And so, yeah, we're coming together and having a good conversation. It'll be great. So that's, honestly, that's great though. I mean, I, I know for a fact, I'm going to want to look into this one as well, because I want to be able to see both sides of the story. I want to understand the pros and the cons. And if it means yeah. going through that, then let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what would you say, Bella, what kind of advice could you give someone, uh, a young professional considering a career in oil and gas, if they're on the fence? If they're on the fence, if you're on the fence, just look into it a bit more and do your research, really understand the pros and the cons. And even if you go in to the industry with a few cons, you're not going to know, you're not going to know how to solve it until you're in it. Hmm. That's, that's the whole thing that's also kind of why I'm here too I mean I didn't when I got into it originally I didn't quite understand and now that I'm here I I don't necessarily have a direct stance on you know if I'm for or against even though it does you know imply itself in our everyday in our everyday life and everything that we use mm-hmm. um I think I'm gonna go off on a tangent on this one but yeah just just do your research just ask, ask the right people, reach out to the right people and ask them where they are and how, how they got into it. Just do your research. I love it. No, do your own research is key and, and don't draw conclusions based off six headlines that you read. Cause you're probably leading, getting led down the wrong direction. Um, another question, uh, before we close out is what kind of career aspirations do you have? I mean, I know again, you're young and you're probably trying to figure it all out, but do you have any hopes and dreams and, and what Bella hopes to do in the next 10 years? What does that look like? Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. Um, that is a great question. Uh, well, you know, I never I never thought that being a business development manager, let alone a junior business development manager, was attainable to me. And with what I've learned and with what I've graduated in. Um, so I feel like the world is just full of possibilities. And I feel like I can really only go up from here. I can't I can't backtrack. So I I would just love to see where this business development takes me. I love it. I love it. And then uh, with regard, so I, again, I'm sure you could probably go on a tangent about this too, but what's your thoughts about like work-life balance? Like that seems to be an interesting topic that us in, you know, that have been around for, for a while, we're like, and, and, and my thoughts around this has changed quite considerably, but it's like all work, no play. And it's just like, for the love of, you know, your job, you got to just commit 110% all the time, which is totally shifted. But like, like if someone were to come to you and be like, Bella, what, what does work-life balance mean to you? How would you describe that? Work-life balance is huge, especially if you want to continue working at the same level that you're are, that you're at now and go beyond that. You have to have, you have to have that balance. Otherwise you will burn out and you will have a terrible time and then you will only just start regressing. Um, so it's incredibly important to take care of yourself, even if that means, uh, you know, if you do a nine to five, even if that means at 501, you're out and you close all your tabs down, do yeah. what you need to do. If it's a very important day and there are days where you're going to have to prioritize work a bit more then okay, maybe look at your emails from time to time, but you're also going to have to balance that out with, okay, I've given in my 110% today. I have to prioritize my life now. That means going, getting yourself your your checkups. If you have to go to the dentist, if you have to take a five minute break to meditate, do what you need to do to avoid a burnout. Yeah, no, that, that that's, and again, I love how you're saying like, 
every employee should let them like work from home like six days a week. But like you said, it's really taking the time, even a little bit of time. It's like taking care of yourself. And I'm I'm very big on that. Like I a non-negotiable for me is like getting up and going to the gym. And no matter what, like granted, if, unless I've been up all night with my kids or something, but you know, unless something could catastrophic happens, I'm at the gym every morning. Some days I like it. Some days I'm like, Ooh, I just got to push through it. But that has helped me, you know, remain, you know, I guess, quote unquote, healthy, you know, eating right, being okay with saying no to a lunch with your buddies at work every day and eating crap. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, be okay with saying, Hey guys, look, I'm just going to hang tight. I brought lunch. Like, spend some time, whether it's with other coworkers who share similar interests with health and wellness, or, you know, and maybe it's, you know, taking a 10 minute walk at lunch or whatever. Um, but it's to your point, like we're so connected to the world now that like you could literally work 24 hours a day, seven days a week and never catch up to where you really probably want to be. Um, so I, I, I like your approach. I think it's healthy and it's sustainable, right? It's, it's, it's not, creating like like very strict boundaries but it's just taking time because if you can't be the best version of yourself you'll be the terrible version for everyone else around you so and and like I always I tell my wife this all the time I was like you can't pour from an empty cup like mm-hmm. you gotta fill it up and sometimes that means slowing down or not adding as much to your to-do list um because again like you're no good to anybody if you're like just zapped all the time so absolutely again I feel like you need to be able to, if you don't give yourself a break, your body will decide when you're going to take a break. And then that's when when your burnout ensues. And I, oh gosh, may want to, you might want to cut this part out. Sorry. Obelize Justin in the future. Um, Yeah. You need to be able to give yourself a break because if you don't, then your body will decide on that. Mm-hmm. And nobody, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to be like, you know what? I finish at five. My, my, my laptop is closed. My tabs are done. My phone is off. I'm not responding to anyone from work, but we're all guilty of working overtime from time to time. And that, and it's, and it's normal and it's not, it's not a bad thing, but if you are going to do that, you also have to realize, okay, I I do also need to prioritize myself. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and again, I think if you have to look at it in the macro, right? It's, I, I don't think I think a lot of people try and say, okay, every day I have to like have this many hours for this, this many hours for that. Um, again, everything ebbs and flows and some days are going to be busier than others. But if you can look back at like the previous six months and say, hey, like I did a good job of like losing a little weight or eating a little healthier or spending a little bit more time with good friends and family. Because like you said, it may be one thing that your health might deteriorate, but there's a correlation between happiness, health and longevity with the quality of relationships with people that you have. So if you're constantly working, you're going to, you, you could negatively impact your relationships that you have with either your spouse, your kids, maybe friends that, you know, that, that really help with it as a support system. And so the quality of your relationships, especially as you get older, because again, like our high school buddies, like all my buddies from high school and elementary school, like we barely talk anymore. And that's just, that's life and it happens, but continue to strive to build strong relationships with people outside of work, I think is like, the biggest thing I, I would suggest for like folks as they continue to just, you know, try and move up the ladder or create businesses and, and, you know, they're in the entrepreneurial space is like, you you still need friends outside of work because again, it's healthy. It gives you sort of diverse thought and in, in different perspectives. And so anyway, that's a, I think it's a cool way to close out last thing, but not least 
Do you have any daily habits or routines that kind of help contribute to you staying on track and remaining healthy and happy and full of energy? Um, yes, I, I want to, this is actually, well, sorry, I may have to cut the part out. I'm so sorry. I was thinking at the same time it's coming out. Let me yeah, it's that. good. No, it's all good. Okay. Thank goodness. Um, I, okay. So I do. And I like to thank one of my colleagues at work for this. He will always implement, um, a little meditation time in the middle of the workday, even yeah. if it's like, five, like a maximum of five minutes, he, he looks around, he's like, Hey guys, who wants to sit in silence for five minutes? We're like, I do. <laughs> so yeah. we all go upstairs to our little content creation room and he puts on either daily affirmations or, um, or like breathing techniques. And we listen to that for five minutes and it grounds us all. And I like to do that from time to time, just if it's by myself, I'll put my headphones on. Even if I'm working for five extra seconds, I'll just take a minute, breathe, and then I'm good to go. And then there we are. Yeah. Oh, I love that quick little recharge. That's beautiful. Yeah. All you need is all you need is five minutes. Cause again, if you don't take a break, your body will decide when your break is. Yes. And that is so true. Well, again, Bell, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for giving us your, your thoughts and just being open to the conversation. And I'm so excited uh, for you and Midnight Marketing. Uh, again, you guys are, you know, just catching the wind by storm. And it's uh, it's been cool to see you guys grow. I'm excited for the Gatsby this Friday to see some folks. And oh, um, these will be there too, by the way. Yes. Okay, good. Well, you know, there'll be some pictures being taken. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Please. Yeah. Well, uh, what I'll do is I'll put your LinkedIn link in the show notes. I'll also put Midnight Marketing's uh, website on there for people to just scroll and click and check it out. Um, and yeah, for everyone out there, really appreciate the support. Keep listening and let's always make sure that we're approaching the energy landscape with a radically open mind. Be kind and always remember that everyone deserves access to energy and we is greater than me. Thanks, everybody.